0: Listeners, this is pop culture critic John Tatey, and it's time for Pop Mom, the all-new podcast, where my mom, Bonnie Tatey, chooses, reviews, and muses about all manner of pop culture. On this episode, Mom takes stock of the hit drama, Better Call Saul, which just began its fourth season on AMC, and we catch up and find what the heck Mom's been up to. Let's get her on the line. Mom, are you there? I am. Hooray! We're back. I mean, we're all new with this (laughs) all-new podcast
1: everything's new
0: everything <laughs> that's right uh pop mom you like that name yeah i love it okay good it kind of makes you the pop mom it's it's a uh, heavy responsibility
1: oh, oh yes i see yes but you know you're such a big part of it too
0: well i know but people can can get me all over the place this is your platform to speak to the world
1: Oh, if only, if only that were true. That that the real people that could do something were listening.
0: Well, I guess people. Let's
1: don't go there. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are you? You were going to make it political. Is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, I didn't want to, but it sort of slipped out.
0: So, uh, where have we been? Where have you been? Where have I been? I had a TV show last year that you appeared on a number of times, Mom. Yes um and then oh, and
1: it was a wonderful show
0: i was very proud of it uh it was called the av club hosted by john tady um and creating that show was wonderful and the corporate environment was well we won't get into all of that but uh at less the, than
1: wonderful
0: less than wonderful
1: yeah
0: uh, and i left at the end of last year and i have been quiet for much of 2018 collecting myself parenting figuring out what i want to do next And what I wanted to do next was talk to you, Mom. Tell the listeners where you've been.
1: Well, in March, I fell down the stairs and have been more or less recuperating from that during all this time. I fell from almost the top of the steps. And in the process, I have things that were not in the right place, making it very difficult to walk. And since I have epilepsy, they switched drugs, and they switched me from a drug that I had been taking for 45 years, but they said it was very old-fashioned, and there was much better stuff, and blah, blah, blah. So lots of tests, and uh, here I am, still kicking and still irritated about things. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well good. Uh it was a little it was a little bit of a tough stretch for the whole family.
1: Yes. It was very hard on everybody really because it was very hard to communicate what was going on on a daily basis because it it, it was it was just it was a little nightmarish in communication on every on every aspect there were too many doctors involved and they were trying to get more doctors involved and we were trying to get less doctors involved Mm. and keeping family apprised it it was just it was not fun so don't fall down the stairs is my best advice to everyone
0: Uh, yeah that's good advice I didn't know obviously I knew about all of this mom although I didn't know the detail that you had fallen from almost the top i thought you would fall in like at the little corner at the bottom where it first turns
1: oh no 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 oh. no it was a good tumble yeah it was a it was a big tumble
0: oh i didn't know that hmm.
1: well see that's what i mean about the communication it was tough
0: yeah well that's what i mean
1: all right well that's what everybody means <laughs> the only people that don't really care about communicating is the doctors
0: yeah they just They're
1: very busy.
0: Well, I f- yeah, they're very busy, but and they make you feel it, don't they? Cuz I really
1: Yes, I know. Like don't ask a question because we're busy.
0: Uh, yeah, it's uh it's so high pressure sometimes going to the doctor and I feel it so much more with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Mom, everybody wants to know since it's been a while uh since our last podcast, what's going on at the post office? <laughs>
1: Well, I wish I knew. I really do. The woman that I got used to. See, it's very touchy. You know, they, our post office is under the umbrella of the post office in the next town. And if the two ladies that run it in the next town don't care for you, they can really make life (laughs) hellish for you, which they did to the fellow that I liked. And he finally left. Um, Why didn't they like him? I don't know. Just because. And, and if you complain to anybody, here's, here's the real catch-22. If you complain to people that are higher than them, all the correspondence comes back through them because they're in charge of our post <sighs> office. So Right. Fun, fun times. So the the lady that took over and who you get used to and who you can occasionally say, hey, I left my keys at home. Is there anything in my box? And she'll hand you the mail because she's not supposed to give you the mail. Oh, yeah. But without your case, she's gone. And now there's a man there whose name I don't know, and he's he's rather friendly he thinks i get too many packages and his license plate says i'm number two funny and i think who says that
0: i'm oh it says i'm too funny i get it wow Uh, saying it about himself yeah that's weird to put it on your license plate no less yeah yeah is he a stand-up comic yeah that's right is he a comic on (laughs) the side who are you
1: I don't know, because I don't know him that well. I have only recently started going into the post office myself, and, you know, I've, quote, unquote, fallen in love with so many people that worked at the post office, I'm just not going to do it anymore.
0: Well, will you at least find out his name and get a little more information? Maybe you could ask him about his license plate so the listeners uh, can find out what the deal is along with you.
1: I can do that. Can you do that? I can do that. So
0: you'll ask him what the deal is with his license plate. It'll be a good icebreaker, and then you'll report back to us.
1: That's right. And then if he really is a comedian, how could he be a comedian? (laughs) Well, anyway, I'll get back to you on that.
0: (laughs) Um, do you think that the people who come to be the postmaster for Wilmot, New Hampshire, do you think that the previous postmaster leaves little notes saying, uh, don't forget to listen to Bonnie Tatey's podcast because she, <laughs> she and her son are always no. talking about us? <laughs>
1: the less people that know, you know, because then I can't really talk about them.
0: What else is going on? Small town life, mom. I miss it. I, You know, I like living here in Chicago. I like the big city. Yeah. But what's going on back in Wilmot, which I do miss?
1: Oh, my God. I took care of the neighbor's cats while they went on vacation. That was an adventure.
0: Yeah. Are they bad cats?
1: Well, one of them was. One of them is is a little... Um, now, I don't know if we use this term anymore. Mm. Uh-oh. Mentally challenged. If we don't use that term anymore, that's I fine. apologize. No, that's
0: that's that's sensitive, yeah.
1: Do we still use that? Okay. Yeah. And he only has one eye and he has to be separated from the other cats and all he does is bite his, bite your feet. So I went in and to feed the cats and dad came with me and he was in the kitchen and you know, he was, he was okay. <laughs> But when I opened the refrigerator, I had been there the night before, and there were three half cans of cat food in the refrigerator, and now there was only one, and I was the only one that was supposed to be there. So I felt very uncomfortable, like, what the heck is going on? And Dad had to stand – the cat was biting my feet the whole time, and Dad had to get a broom (laughs) and fend him off so I could get – out of the kitchen and then get out of the house cuz I didn't know if somebody was there and it turns out the dad had come home and he had been there and fed the cats and um you know all was all was well but in the meantime now I still have to go back and feed this cat that's biting me <laughs> and and then and say hello to the other two cats that are there and we couldn't get the lights on. It was just a very, it was very eerie.
0: Oh, it sounds like it. The cat, any, any experience is less pleasant when there's a cat biting your feet the whole time. Now, does this cat bite yes. the feet of its owners, too?
1: Yes. Yes, wow. He's not. he's not quite right.
0: Boy, God love him, huh?
1: Well, God love him. But the next day when I went in, he was laying in the basket and... I thought he was dead, and I thought, oh, my God, I just called them the other night telling them somebody was in the house, in the house. now. How can I call them and tell them the damn cat died? And uh, But apparently he's also hard of hearings. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. Well, good for you for taking care of him. You know, um, one time we had... Um, you got to coordinate well on these things, and everybody's got to know where everybody is, or you end up in situations like yours. I had kind of a flip version of that one time. Anna and I went away uh, just over to uh, Michigan for a couple nights. We thought it was going to be a couple nights. We hired a, a cat sitting service, and we came back a day early. And I go to the bathroom when we get home, and as soon as I go in, it just—it's—it's it's a little steamy. It just feels a little moist in the bathroom <laughs> and i feel my towel and my towel is soaking wet and then i lift the lid on the toilet and um there is a large deposit in the bowl oh god <laughs> which oh god. Uh, so uh, the guy <laughs> not only took a shower but also took a crap and didn't flush <laughs> So we called the I called the service and I said, "Hey, you know, it's not a huge deal, but we came home early. First, I wanted to let you know about that so you don't have to send anyone uh, anymore. And second of all, he used our shower and uh our bathroom and I forget how I put it, you know, how do you say it to the service, but I just said yeah. a, a uh something like a, he left it in a, a bad state or some, some, yeah. something something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you know. And they were, like, mildly perturbed by this. If it were my service, I would would be mortified to hear this. But they got back to us and said, Ah, we got in touch with them, and he said he was just getting ready for a meeting, and he's sorry. Well, the kicker is that they didn't get the message to him that we were home, and he... (laughs) So we're sitting there that (laughs) night watching TV, and he just walks right into the apartment, which is very startling, as you you might imagine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, up. Oh, we're home now, so we're fine. And he just walked out. I couldn't tell if he knew that we knew that he'd use the shower or any of that. But think of it, Mom. He was willing to let me get home and use the same towel. Towel, I know.
1: But he used.
0: He your used my towel. towel. That's
1: disgusting. That's disgusting.
0: Now, I and I also figured that he would, that they would say something like, "Oh, there was a big spill or whatever," like he needed to take a shower or the cats peed on him or something. But sounds
1: like they didn't really care. They
0: didn't really care. We never used them again.
1: Well, I, I think that was that was good sense.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're going to get repeat business, though, because boy, you're committed. Biting your feet. Well, you know, oh.
1: it's, yeah, it's tough to say no. It's tough to say no to you know, somebody two doors away, and it's so convenient. And I haven't minded in the past, but this year was pretty, it was just creepy. And then another day, there was a truck there. And I, I, I messaged one of the daughters, because the mom doesn't really check her phone very much. And I said, there's a truck there. And oh, my boyfriend felt like going over and doing yard work. And uh, you know, well, that, shouldn't he have his head examined? But yes. OK, great. Thanks very much. And it was just creepy.
0: Wow. Well, you know, that's a podcast right there. The news from Wilma. But I do feel <laughs> that, that it being pop mom that we should talk about some pop culture, don't you?
1: I'd love
0: to. Okay, let's get into our review then. Uh, On this episode, we are talking about Better Call Saul. The show premiered its fourth season earlier this month, continuing the story of Jimmy McGill, the... Wayward, smooth-talking lawyer Played by Bob Odenkirk Played gloriously by Bob Odenkirk, I should say This year we see Jimmy Dealing with the grief of his brother's death With his law license suspended And his life already at a low ebb The question is, will Jimmy pull himself up By his bootstraps in classic Jimmy McGill fashion Or will he self-destruct, which is also In classic Jimmy McGill fashion Here's a clip Jimmy, welcome to the team Really? Damn right. Congrats. We'll get you set up with Audrey and HR, fill out your paperwork, and hopefully you'll be all set by the end of the day. So just like that, huh? Yep. Why wait when we could get you rolling? You were
1: going to take some time, though, and uh, consider your options, but uh, i just come in and do that little song and dance, and I'm in.
0: Yeah. Right. That's right. Are you out of your mind? You don't know me. I just came in off the street. You guys are like a couple of cats. I come in and wave a shiny object around you. You're like, I want that. (laughs) No due diligence, no background check. No, just hire the guy that says them fancy words. I could be a serial killer. I could be a guy who pees in your coffee pot. I could be both. So you're not taking the job? No, I'm not taking the job. Suckers. I feel sorry for you. Better Call Saul airs new episodes every Monday at 9, 8 central on AMC, and of course it's also available via the AMC app on your Rokus and your Xboxes and what have you. Mom, how do you feel about Better Call Saul in its fourth season?
1: I think it's as strong as ever. I really do. It it has the same intensity. I mean, not unlike Breaking Bad that you think, well, all right, last season was pretty boffo, but... (laughs) (laughs) what about this year
0: so you were a breaking bad viewer as well
1: oh yeah yeah, all the way through all the way through
0: so you like me have been living in this albuquerque world for some time
1: i have and as violent as this was it was always um a lure enough to pull me back unlike game of thrones Red Wedding, which is when I had to exit Game of Thrones. Ah,
0: so you do have a line.
1: That was my line, yeah.
0: So, uh, like I said in the little intro, Jimmy's dealing with his uh, grief, and in these first two episodes, we've seen some confounding moments from him. Uh, at- oh,
1: from him? From the whole thing, because I have a few questions for you.
0: Okay, well let me set the scene a little bit for people in case they're uh, they're not caught up.
1: Well, what's wrong with them? Get caught up, people. There's nothing else. I mean, unless you're watching baseball every night, there's nothing else on TV.
0: Um, Well, maybe they were drunk when they watched it, and they need me to refresh their memories a little bit. You see?
1: (laughs) If they were drunk, they have no knowledge of what went on then, because I was totally sober, and I'm a little confused. So,
0: So, uh, Jimmy... uh, is Jimmy feels responsible uh, to some extent, to a large extent, I would say, for Chuck's uh, death. Uh, I won't get into all the plot details, how it, how it per- was precipitated, but he feels responsible. And yet at the end of the season premiere, when he, f- when he learns or hears a newly reinforced um, that it's his fault, although Howard, who's telling him this news, doesn't, doesn't frame it that way, he suddenly gets kind of happy. And really uh, disturbs Howard and Kim, who are in the, the room with him. They give him this look like, who are you? And there was another of those who are you moments in the second episode when he does this sales pitch. And I played the clip of the end of it. He gets this job selling copiers. He does it in glorious Jimmy fashion. It's the ah. Jimmy we've come to know. And he's he's got the silver tongue. And it's just so much fun to see Jimmy doing his thing again. And then... He turns on them and he's disgusted with them for falling for his tricks. What do you make of, like I said, is Jimmy self-destructing? Is he putting himself back together? What do you make of it, Mom?
1: Well, this is the thin thread that, that I held on to, is that when Howard gave him an alternate reasoning for Chuck's death, he sort of ran with that like hey it could be your fault it could be yeah. your fault you know you're and and i think he found some some salvation in that perhaps because obviously this man's brain does not work in a straight line
0: jimmy's brain
1: jimmy's brain yeah. and they're painting that for us now that's how he becomes um Saul or this mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Cinnabon
1: man, you know, he's, he knows how to reinvent himself, and that's the, that's the best I could do.
0: So you think that when Howard talked to Jimmy about this malpractice insurance business and Chuck being squeezed out of the of the firm and committing suicide, even, which Jimmy, you know, that wasn't in Jimmy's mind until Howard planted it there, you think right. that when Jimmy responds by saying, well, that's your cross to bear— That it's in earnest, because I took that as, yeah, he says that outwardly, but I think when he says it to Howard, he knows that he's really saying it about himself, because really, it's Jimmy's cross to bear. Like, Uh there whatever else happened, it is this toxic um, codependency between Chuck and Jimmy that has destroyed them both. Right? And I think Jimmy is. I love what you say, how his brain doesn't work in a straight line. That's a really beautiful way to put it. But I do think that it works in a straight line enough that he recognizes that. He recognizes how toxic their relationship was for the both of them, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So when he says well, that's your let, cross- me you, yeah. let me
1: ask you this, mm-hmm. okay? Let me ask you this. I always felt that the crux of this was that their mother favored Jimmy. Right this is what i think when you're the one that's favored you don't understand it Mm. you don't understand the crippling hurt it is that you're not the favorite
0: are you saying this from personal experience (laughs) i'm sorry to tee you up like that but
1: (laughs) yes i mean it was very clear who was the favorite at our house and you know my sister and I both will admit that that it that it was uh, our brother who who really was the favorite and 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 to be honest not to not to really go down this road, mm-hmm. but after both our parents were gone, my brother just cut us off. I haven't heard from him since well,
0: I thought you cut him off
1: i did I never cut him off huh. i didn't. I just asked him to do the right thing by my sister. And uh, I never heard from them again.
0: Wow. Are we ever going to get an episode of a podcast again where we don't explore some dark family history? (laughs) Maybe not.
1: (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe that's what we've become. (laughs) Maybe that's what we've become. And I'm so sorry, because I know people come here for a laugh, but, you know, that's, that's the reality. That That's why I think... This parent thing that we've learned in past seasons resonates with me so much in that Chuck was accomplished and smart and did all the right things. And, um, you know, Jimmy just kind of whittled his way around.
0: But he was still the favorite.
1: But he was still the favorite,
0: yeah. Boy, that's a great element to pick out, Mom. It's not one that I've been thinking about, but it does, now that you bring it up, it brings to mind, uh, you know, I think you may be thinking of, in particular, the flashback scene we saw when um, their mother dies and Chuck is at the bedside and his mother is asking for Jimmy while Jimmy's out grabbing a sandwich or something like that. Um, And then she passes and Chuck doesn't tell Jimmy. Right. You know, Jimmy comes back and asks, did she say anything? I believe this is how the scene goes. But whatever the case, Chuck doesn't tell Jimmy that she was asking for him, which just is heartbreaking to me. That's one of the most heartbreaking scenes of the show, because not only is it heartbreaking that Jimmy doesn't get to know, but it gives you an insight into just what you're talking about. Chuck's resentment and hurt that um jimmy is the favored one um and you even see it in the in another flashback when they're having uh dinner with rebecca uh right and jimmy comes over to chuck and rebecca's house and rebecca is charmed by him as anybody would be by jimmy and chuck hates it yeah so yeah yeah boy that's an important element and i wonder how it plays off uh something from the end of this most recent episode mom uh you know when kim is considering whether to show jimmy the letter that chuck wrote to him it feels like a little bit of an echo of that chuck at his mother's uh bedside scene that i just mentioned yeah right it's this it's the last communication And is Kim going to choose to withhold it? And if she does and Jimmy finds out, is there going to be... I wonder. I wonder about that letter. Well,
1: and here's what I want to know. Is she protecting him? Is she protecting him? Because I find her... I mean, I find her very cold. I find her not very nurturing, not very loving, very self-contained. And until I saw her... In Howard's office, when Howard is telling contents of the will, who gets this, who gets that, and Kim really gives him a kick in the butt with his intentions. With who? Int- Howard. Uh, Howard's, right, intention. right. Howard's intentions.
0: Howard's intentions in terms of telling Jimmy that it was probably a suicide is is her focus, right?
1: Right now, I don't know if I even know her because. I want to know, what is her motivation for not showing the letter? Is it is it to protect him, perhaps, until she feels like he's stronger and could handle it? Or is she going to read it first? What is going to happen with that letter?
0: And tied up in all of this is also Kim's own resentment of Chuck and of Howard and of the whole legal establishment. Right? Because Kim, right. I think... I want to explore Kim and Jimmy's relationship a little bit more with you because you I think you've brought up an important point um, in terms of what you know, what is her real attraction to him and vice versa. But I think one thing that brought them together is they both started in the mail room. They both have aspirations of uh, a more esteemed and legitimate and, you know, um, high status life. Right. Um, Right. And they want to work their way up. You know, they have that striving in common. What they don't have in common is their methods. Kim wants to do things the right way. Uh, She's willing to put in the time, as we've seen again and again. And Jimmy gets tempted by shortcuts. But why do you think they're together in the first place?
1: I don't know. I could, I could, I mean, she's very attractive. And I guess he's attractive enough. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, but we know they don't stay together.
0: Right. Or Unless, something happens. You know,
1: something happens. Unless and, she dies and, and, and that may sense, yeah. 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 And that and that may be. But we know she doesn't have staying power. So what is keeping them together? He doesn't seem like he needs a rock and so she's not his rock. They don't seem especially loving. I don't feel like that's the attraction. What do you think is the—why do you think they're together?
0: Well, I think it's the shared striving that draws them together. Um, I think that she has fun with him. I think that she Mm. is not that good at having fun on her own. And with Jimmy, she gets someone uh, with whom, in that pivotal sequence, she can pretend to be uh, you know, a rich heiress, and they can swindle oh. someone. She can pretend to be someone else with him, and it's so easy to slip into that fantasy realm with him. Oh. Um, but they've never really had an extended domestic setting. They've lived together, but it's always one of them or the other is just working so Hard. Uh, yeah. So, they've never really spent quiet time together. And as soon as that opportunity—if you maybe that's not the best word for it—but you know what I mean. As soon as that opportunity yeah. presents itself here, Jimmy's like, "Oh, I got three job interviews today." I'm, you know, he's doing right. the circle the ads, the whole frenzy again. Um, I I think they're together, but they're not together. Does that make sense?
1: Exactly. Excuse me if that was loud. Exactly. You know, I kept waiting for somebody to say the name of the goldfish, for God's sake. (laughs) You know, let's have some sense of family or unitedness or there's Mm. just no connection. It's very frustrating to me.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's maybe we've sort of gotten at the underlying problem in their relationship and maybe that's going to manifest itself this season.
1: I don't know. She, you know, she seems very content with the status quo, and I don't even think he knows which end is up, to tell you the truth. So I don't know. This could be a complete disaster. Hmm. I don't know.
0: All right. Well, you've given me a lot to think about uh, regarding uh, Kim and Jimmy. Uh, Can we talk about Mike a little bit? Uh, Now, my partner on the Basement Breakdown videos, let me get in a little plug here. If you do enjoy Better Call Saul and you'd like to dive deeper into each episode, uh, just go on YouTube and search for Basement breakdown. It's a new video series I'm doing with uh, an old buddy of mine from my A.V. Club days, Gus Spellman, where we just sort of go into the imagery um, of each episode and give you sort of the deeper levels of meaning to ask questions about. And we don't have all the answers, but we, I think we've got some good insights and we can show you sort of how the show works in terms of its visuals and productions. It's a lot of fun, right, Mom?
1: A lot of fun. Okay.
0: Endorsed by my mom. <laughs>
1: That the first episode was a lot richer in Winks.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, um, the season premiere tends to, tends to be. Um, and the second episode, uh, you know, we just taped the uh, Basement Breakdown for the second episode last night, and it was tougher to find the images to talk about, although we still had plenty to discuss. Uh, but that's Basement Breakdown on YouTube. Search, subscribe, please think you'll have a good time. But what I'm getting to is my co-host... Uh, Gus, is kind of sick of Mike. And he basically he says he doesn't really need to see Mike's story anymore. I still enjoy mm-hmm. Mike. It's not as emotionally or psychologically rich as Jimmy's storyline, but I always view Mike right. as sort of the pulpy counterpart to the richer human story of Jimmy. What do you yes. make of Mike at this point in the series?
1: To me, Mike is the connection that interests me with the... Salamanca Mm -hmm. family thing he's the one that I understand because (laughs) I do get confused in that other part of the show you know the drug part of the show with who's working with who and the chicken man and who who is he (laughs) trust and uh, I I do tend to get a little confused in there but uh, Mike always centers me
0: Okay, so you do enjoy those parts of the show. Oh, yeah. Why do you think... So what we've seen from Mike in this season is he has gotten this uh, sort of just paper money laundering job uh, where he's a quote-unquote security consultant. And it's just so he (laughs) can launder some money through Gus Fring's uh, larger operation. Uh, Madrigal is the name of this uh, shadowy logistics corporation here. And it's, it's supposed to be just him sitting at home collecting paychecks, but he can't resist going in and doing the job. What did you take away from that?
1: Well, as squirrely as as this sounds, is I think he's a man that is not content to just sit on his couch and watch TV and just watch over his granddaughter. He wants to be busy. He wants to be part of something. And he's going to do it his way. You know, maybe that allows him to accept that money but he can't just sit on his couch he's just not that kind of person
0: it's a funny contradiction because you know the case he makes to Lydia in this latest episode is basically that he wants to do it legit and the argument he makes is that it's easier to conceal that way and that if people start asking right. questions then the answers will be there have you ever seen this man in the warehouse yes, yes. Uh, etc yeah. right which is i don't know plausible, at least, but I think we sense that it's not the the true explanation. I think he does have this desire to be legit, but the irony of it is that he's trying to be legit in a scheme to (laughs) launder his dirty money, right?
1: Right, right. But that all makes perfect sense to me.
0: Yeah. Because
1: I think his granddaughter represents the pure side of him the I want to do good side. I want to be an example. I want I want people to think well of me. Um, but the fact is that he's very good at the shady side of things and that's really where his forte is.
0: I think you have a good point about the granddaughter. Uh, there was a scene in the season premiere where he's out in the garden with her and they've got this hose this bubbler hose going right Uh and her mother Uh even makes his daughter-in-law her mother even makes a remark oh is that the hose you made together what she's referring to is a scene in season two when mike does poke holes in a garden hose with his daughter uh but then he goes on to stick nails in it and uses it in a heist that eventually, a truck heist that eventually gets someone killed. And here we are then, and he's back home and he's in the garden, and we've got this. It's not the same hose, I presume, but it's, you know, it's a hose with holes in it. It's the same basic object being used yeah. for something sweet and good. That hose symbol really gets at the two sides of him that you're talking about, and how he's constantly trying to reconcile these in a way that feels good to him, but he can never get quite comfortable, can he?
1: Right. He can't, because he's not mixed up in something that is legitimate. You can't, you know, if it's black, it's black. You can't say that it's white. It just doesn't work.
0: Yeah. Anything else on Better Call Saul, Mom?
1: Um, I just will say this, that we had to watch 10 minutes of Guy's Grocery Game afterwards because... The chicken guy just freaked me out so much at the end. He he is ju- he oh he just Gus Gus Fring. Gus is scary. <laughs> he's scary to me.
0: Yeah, he was he was all business at the end of that episode, huh? Wow.
1: Ooh. Yes. So that's all I'll say about that. Uh,
0: you had to watch what now?
1: Guys, grocery games.
0: Guy's Grocery Games, this was your palate cleanser. What is this? <laughs> Wait, before, let me, let me just get into your grade before you move on. So, Mom, what is your grade for Better Call Saul Season 4 so far?
1: Oh, it's just a plus. It's just quality television.
0: Okay, great. Now, tell me about this somewhat lesser quality television. Is this Guy Fieri?
1: Yes, Guy Fieri's Grocery Games, where he has three... Chefs come on and they go shopping with some restrictions in his grocery store, and then they make a meal, and then three judges judge it. It's very light and fluffy.
0: Is that your recommendation for this week, Mom?
1: It is not.
0: Okay, well, we're going to finish off every episode with a uh, quick recommendation from Mom, what she's watching, what she's reading, what have you. Mom, what's your recommendation for this week? Not Guy's Grocery Games.
1: My... Recommendation this week is Worst Cooks in America hosted this season by Anne Burrell and Robert Irvine and they bring in a group of people that cannot cook and they all uh interview and show some of their horrible things that they make and then they bring them into the kitchen and they teach them how to cook and at the end the two people that are left from one from each of their teams cooks a very fine meal for a group of judges and one of them is crowned you know the best cook then i would suggest that you watch um season 11 uh worst cooks in america celebrity edition with Nora Dunn, Common Electra, Perez Hilton, Carson Kressley. Very funny. Very, 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 very funny. And season 13, Celebrities, has your um, one of your favorites, Maria Bamford, on it.
0: Oh, God. she's the best. I've had a couple of just wonderful interviews with Maria Bamford. She really is wonderful. Okay, I'll have to check that and, out.
1: Yeah, I think you would like it. I think you would like to see her in this um, venue. All
0: right. Yes, I would. Uh, So this is Worst Cooks in America on Food Network, Mom.
1: Food Network, yeah.
0: I'm seeing here that new episodes air Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Central. That's right. You only missed one episode. Nine eight Central.
1: Don't miss it. The celebrity editions are the funniest, but these are pretty. These are pretty good. These are pretty good.
0: And if you want to see some good cooks, watch Guys Grocery Games. Apparently.
1: Yeah, watch Guys Grocery Games for a bit of. Um, fluff in your life, which we all can use from time to time. That's
0: right. Uh, Do you like that guy, Fieri?
1: You know, Johnny, I do. I know a lot of people don't, and I know that, God bless his soul, Anthony Bourdain did not like him, but I find him very entertaining, very personable. I, I do.
0: He's pretty harmless.
1: He's very harmless. Yeah.
0: Okay, Worst Cooks in America is Mom's recommendation for the week. Uh, That's all for this debut edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. What should we talk about, Mom? What should we talk about?
1: Something interesting.
0: Something interesting. So look forward to that next week (laughs) on Pop Mom. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't enjoy the show, of course, stay as far away from that iTunes store as possible. Throw your phone in the river. Right. That's right. Give it
1: to your mom. She won't know what to do with it.
0: But uh, really, thanks for welcoming us back. If you're old uh, listeners, if you listen to the old podcast and welcome, if you're new, we have a lot of fun here on the show and we just love our community. You can tweet mom at, uh, is it Moxie N H mom? That's right. M-O-X-I-E-N-H. And you can tweet me at John Tatey, J-O-H-N-T-E-T-I-N-H. I will be emphasizing that E all my life. Everybody gets it wrong, but that's fine. Uh,
1: John Taddy.
0: John (laughs) Taddy. We love you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, Mom.
1: Bye, Johnny.